bite-sized birthday biography podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a podcast which shines a spotlight on a person born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world who made a positive lasting impact. Today, December 21st, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Josh Gibson, the Black Babe Ruth. He was born on this day in 1911. So Josh Gibson has been called the Black Babe Ruth, but it may be more accurate to say that Babe Ruth was the white Josh Gibson. Josh Gibson, according to baseball historians and the players who knew him, was the best hitter in the history of the Negro Baseball League, if not Major League Baseball in general. Today, every team in the MLB would be falling all over themselves to sign him. But because this was the early 20th century and Josh was black, the true greatness of this ball player would not be recognized until the 1970s when he became the second black man behind Satchel Paige to be inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame that he started to get the credit that he deserved. Josh was the oldest of three, born on a struggling farm in Buena Vista, Georgia, owned by Mark and Nancy Gibson. By the time Josh was 14, his folks had had enough trying to eke out a living from the land, and they moved to Pittsburgh, where Mark took a job at the Carnegie, Illinois Steel Company. Like a lot of black kids who came from struggling families, Josh's education ended early, in his case in ninth grade. He was planning to become an electrician, so there was no real point in higher education, he believed. But he also found more enjoyment in playing baseball and running track, winning several medals in the latter. As a young teen, he took a position at the Gimbel's department store as an elevator operator. So how did he go from saying, down, sir, to becoming arguably one of the best baseball players in the history of the country? There are three versions of the story that I found. I found a Wikipedia version, I found the MLB slash Hall of Fame version, and the Josh Gibson Foundation version. They're all kind of similar, but they all have little tiny differences. So here are the various theories. According to Wikipedia, the turning point came for him when he joined a small amateur team at the Gimbel's department store sponsored. He was so mind-blowingly good that he was recruited by the Negro League team, the Pittsburgh Crawfords, which were still semi-pro in 1928, but turned pro in 1933 when they joined the Negro National League. That's the first theory. The second theory, according to the National Baseball Hall of Fame and the Major League Baseball website, is that Josh was recruited from the Gimbel-sponsored team, but he was brought onto a team called the Pittsburgh Colored Giants, another pro team. And apparently, he was a known heavy hitter, but hadn't yet skyrocketed to the widespread acclaim until Buck Ewing of the Homestead Grays injured his hand, and Josh, who happened to be in the stands watching, was asked to step in for him. Lastly, the Josh Gibson Foundation is similar to Wikipedia in that they also believe that he was taken from the amateur team he was playing on, but they have the name of the team as the Homestead Grays, and there's no mention of the Pittsburgh Crawfords. So different versions of his path to greatness, but regardless, 1928 to 1930 were the years that brought him the most joy and accomplishment and the most crushing heartbreak. In between games, Josh was still working at Gimbel's to help provide for himself and Helen Mason, who he had married on March 7th, 1929. Wedded bliss turned to gut-wrenching tragedy when Helen went into premature labor on August 11th of the following year, and she died while delivering twins, a girl named Helen and a boy named Josh Jr. Devastated beyond words, Josh handed over his babies to his parents to raise, and he dove headfirst into his baseball career to escape from the tragedy that he would never truly outrun. He was now a permanent member of the Homestead Grays, and his playing during this time has led many a historian to consider him the greatest home run hitter ever. But times being what they were, Babe Ruth and Ted Williams were the golden boys of baseball, even though Josh was easily equal and probably superior. 
The 220-pound, six-foot-one Gibson spent most of his time behind the plate with an occasional stint at first or third, but his hitting was what brought all the spectators in. He once hit a 580-foot home run ball in Yankee Stadium with the ball landing two feet from the top of the bleacher wall. Cleveland Buckeye manager Alonzo Boone said, Josh was a better power hitter than Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, or anybody else I have ever seen. Anything he touched was hit hard. He could power outside pitches to the right field. Short stops would move to the left field when Josh came to the plate. So how did Josh stack up to the guy that he is most commonly compared to, the Sultan of Swing, Mr. Babe Ruth? It's hard to say because accurate stats were not really kept in the Negro Leagues, so accomplishments were usually passed along by word of mouth where they could either be embellished or diminished. So Babe Ruth's batting average was 342. Josh's was at least 350, and some sources have it as high as 384, making it the highest in the history of baseball, far surpassing Ty Cobb's current record of 366. Babe Ruth had 714 recorded home runs. Josh's number is reported to be around 800, with some historians saying it pushes into four digits. As Negro League manager Buck O'Neill said, outstanding hitter, the best hitter I've ever seen. He had the power of Ruth and the hitting ability of Ted Williams. That was Josh Gibson. Would have been outstanding in the majors. He would have rewritten the book as far as home runs are concerned. Fellow Negro League player William Judy Johnson said if Josh Gibson had been in the big leagues in his prime, Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron would still be chasing him for the home run record. The only thing stopping Josh from becoming as much of a household name as the great Bambino was the amount of melanin in his skin and America's obsession with the amount of melanin in people's skin. Josh's career with the Homestead Grays was cut short when, in 1943, he suddenly passed out and fell into a coma. When he awoke, he was told that he had a brain tumor that required surgery. Still traumatized from the last horrific medical ordeal regarding the death of his wife in labor, Josh refused. So he kept playing for the Grays for the next uh, year, albeit with recurring migraines, until 1944 when he was hospitalized for a bit. He went back to the field again for two years until his illness progressed to a point where he couldn't play anymore. On January 25th, 1947, Josh Gibson had a stroke and died at the age of 35. His body was buried in an unmarked grave in Algaheny Cemetery, where it remained until it was given a marker in 1975, three years after he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. My sources today were Wikipedia, the National Baseball Hall of Fame, the MLB website, and the Josh Gibson Foundation. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating on Apple Podcast. It means the world to a totally homemade podcast. And if you're feeling social, you can follow Humans in History on Instagram at humans underscore in underscore history. Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Josh Gibson. Please join me December 25th when we celebrate the birth and life of Joseph Boulogne, Chevalier de Saint-Georges, a.k.a. the Black Mozart. See you then.